0: When a group of powerful women come together, there is an undeniable strength that radiates from their collective energy. And while their individual accomplishments may be impressive, their greatest power lies in their ability to lift each other up and inspire others to do the same. Being a part of this type of community means dedicating oneself to a higher standard of excellence and continuously striving for progress It requires a willingness to share knowledge, provide support, and always push beyond one's limits. Through acceptance and support, these powerful women empower themselves and encourage others to reach their full potential, creating a ripple effect of success and growth. We are the powerful women. (laughs)
1: Hello, listeners. Thank you for joining us on this wonderful day. We are so looking forward to our topic today. Today, we are going to be talking about our homeless population. What is happening? How are they being taken care of? How are they being supported? And are we doing enough? So thank you for joining everyone. And today, I'm going to start with Jen. The homeless population in Austin
2: is quite extreme here. We have quite a few people that are living intense underneath the underpasses and really they do we have some laws that have come through where they're trying to clean up the homeless population because of more like the unsightly view of it but it's not to help them like it's It's weird because they'll go over and they'll take these big dump trucks and stuff and they'll just trash everyone's stuff. And it's causing them to just basically relocate to another underpass or another area that they can find. And I don't feel like it's really solving the problem. They tried doing where they bought some hotels like cheaper hotels or extended stay hotels and tried to put some of them in the hotels but there was so much pushback and fight from the people that were in the neighborhoods around them that they really didn't get to get that off the ground it's basically we're cleaning up for the residents around but we're not doing anything to help the homeless population so it's it almost seems like they're not really seeing them as people. And this is obviously some of the hardest times of their lives that they're going through if they're on the streets. And yeah, I feel like we should take care of our own for sure.
1: Not just keep causing them to move just all around. I couldn't agree more. I think it's really important to take care of your people before you, you expand, take care of your house and then take care of everyone else or as on the plane, put your mask on first and then mask the others. I think there's definitely something to be said there. I know I've had two of my children homeless, one for mental reasons and one he has to learn everything the hard way. So even trying to find help for them was very difficult. And I go between California, Arizona, Seattle quite frequently, and we see the same thing. The side of the road, tents, just lying streets of tents and people. And um, some of them have even had campers on the side of these hills. I'm not sure how they do it. Somehow they've done it, but it, it's rough. It's, it's a rough site. It's di- very difficult, especially when you have extreme weather, such as snow and heat. But I will also say I've tried on you know occasions, take some blankets or water and they don't want it. They want money. So I think there's a different issue that we need to address just besides the homelessness, they needing true help and assistance and the people to do that assistance. Who wants to go next? I can, I, I
3: agree with you, Jen. I have visited Austin a few times for work and traveled there. And first of all, my my heart just absolutely sank walking to dinner in downtown Austin and just seeing blocks of people lined up sleeping in front of businesses in their sleeping bags and their things and their food. And it was like they were waiting for a certain time in the evening to change over. And the city just transformed into homelessness. And it really, for me, begged that question of this isn't the only city I'm seeing this in and other cities I've traveled in. And my home state, New Hampshire, where I'm from, I have family members who live in the Manchester Central New Hampshire area and just seeing the homeless population there, even in colder climates, not just a few here and there. We're talking city blocks of people, just the entire block lined with homelessness. And these are all ages, all demographics. And not sure for me, it begs the question, what, what's driving this massive increase? and what support's needed. I feel like there's something, some sort of missing link there of how do we provide resources other than a place for them to sleep? Is that really going to help get people to where they need to be? Although it may help the immediate need of they need a place to shower and stay and be cared for, but what is like the long-term assistance and infrastructure needed to really provide people the true help that they need to get to the next place that they need to be. And, and and for me, like homelessness is just not a temporary setback situation. Sometimes these are people, as Cindy mentioned, mental health issues or other circumstances that have driven them to that point. And how do we provide support and how do we help provide people? Because there's a whole host of issues that I guess is driving all of this need. And it, I would say we also have I don't know if this is any linkage to it, but border control. We have a lot of things that are happening in the United States where we have a massive increase in population. And is it really like this peretta change that the homelessness is my pivoting with, or is it a bigger issue that's happening that needs to be addressed?
4: I I don't mind piggybacking off of that. So I agree. We've got it's such a multifaceted problem, right? And I was re- recently watching something, and it was. About California and their, oh gosh, what is their program called? And now I'm going to forget it, CARE. It's a new sort of quasi court sy- system for, and, and it's really to try and help in their state the mental illness um, aspect of the homeless population. And they had quoted on the thing I saw that was like one in four of their homeless there in their state was had, you know, had mental health issues and just trying to help them address that and apparently it's quite a controversial program it's like care court I think that's what it was called but so yeah, guardianship programs yeah. yeah yes yeah yeah and that that is a problem because there, there are a lot of they they truly have mental health issues and they don't feel that like they do and they don't take their meds and then it just it's like this cycle that goes on and on but but there are many i think that to me i just see the solution would be i see job creation right so i see this means there's a whole level of jobs that are not being that are are not even noticed that are needed and not noticed so someone to assess and then the counselors the if you're on the streets for financial You know what I mean? Then the counselors for that, if you're on the streets for whatever, abusive situation, right? Or mental health and and addressing, or maybe it's addiction. So addressing the root cause, right? And so I just feel like that's that to me, that's job creation. And you, you have to have checks and balances with that or if you just do these blanket things, then there's just so much fraud that happens. I really see that we've got this entire that needs to happen. And I'm always curious that when we have an issue, I'm like, what are they doing somewhere else? You you know, Let's get get outside the bubble. And I, I don't, yeah, I just looked in just real quick in Europe and I think they might rely a lot on NGOs in a lot of places. And I did see in Finland, they were trying to do a program where it was housing first to try and prevent homelessness. I would think, I don't know if it's easier or harder in a small country. <laughs> That'd be an interesting you know, thing to wrestle with. But I think that, and another thing, like where I live, we noticed New York City has this program where they were busing homeless people, just other places. And where I live happened to be one of them. And literally overnight, the type of person on the street completely changed to, I don't know, but if, and you don't want to prejudice by just glancing at a situation, but that it, 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 it seemed it, it definitely was a different population of people and the things that were happening because of that, that population completely changed. You know what I mean? I don't even know how to really describe it, but it, it, it's just, it was it just went from, I, I don't know, pe- people that I think were, I don't know, it, it, it just, it changed drastically. And it increased by an exponent that I can't even quantify. It was tremendous. I believe, I had heard that where I live had pretty good programs, that it was, but maybe it was just because it wasn't over, it wasn't flooded. I I don't know. Those are just some thoughts.
1: I definitely don't think busing people from one place to the next is beneficial for anyone. I don't think it's beneficial for them. I don't think it's beneficial for the people in those areas. I think, as mentioned a couple of times, true assessment of where they are, what help they need. I think I saw we have 330,000 jobs open and available. I think our homeless population here in the United States is like 580. So we wouldn't be able to give everybody a job, but there's a lot of opportunities for people, if we assessed, truly assessed where they are and what they need. And I think just finding the people to do that would open up additional jobs as well. I mean, the government's giving out a lot of money to a lot of people that could be reinvested in our own people to get us where we need to be.
0: I'm here, I'm here today to call out all of us that, that call ourselves Christians that we need to not rely. It's the quote of, it's not the evil men that make the world so horrible. It is those of us that know to do right and choose not to, that choose just to really do nothing, to be apathetic. Uh, uh, Jesus's example was to be with the marginalized, to help the homeless. As a believer or someone that wears the the banner of Christian, I think that we have, as a whole, the American church, has let down the people. And I believe that if we are going to to blame anybody, then I start with me. Because I lived in my car, even though I had a house, I had a crazy man in the house. And so I literally washed my hair with the garden hose. And I stayed in my car. And the only reason I had a car was because when I started dealing with the domestic violence organization, one of the things they say is, "Do you know, who controls the money? Do you have the freedom to go somewhere and all this kind of stuff? So he bought me a car. But as as I had seemingly come from a very stable home, I always thought that God was mad at me and angry at me. And that I was always disappointing him and all of this stuff. And so the mental health issues and stuff like that are so prevalent because we haven't been teaching and we again, I'm talking about Christians, we haven't been teaching and exemplifying the love of God, the forgiveness of God. And so I think that as the church as a whole, that we should get out more often and just exhibit His love, exhibit His resources, exhibit just being there, being a presence, worth, identity. All of these things are so foundational as to how we were created, how we were designed. And so when that component is missing or that component is misrepresented, then the things that begin to happen are exactly what's happening in society. Even though government absolutely has a place, and I just call forth for more personal responsibility in the entire system of how we all live and where we are and what we can do within our own sphere. And that's not a quick, easy answer. But it is something that, like I said, any believer that listens to this, your local church, your local organization, your local synagogue, any of those things, actually, synagogues are very good at that. But just any organization in which you can, the inherent worth and value of that person, put it back into them. Because, yeah, there's jobs and stuff, but if you're such a mess that you can't hold down a job, you're on drugs, you're in an abusive situation, you don't know how to leave, you just don't know because you have been marginalized over and over again and given the wrong information. And so I I just think that... I'm not talking about some namby-pamby kind of love. I'm talking about God's love has standards. It has things, but it is unconditional, and it is relentless. And I think that as a whole, the church could do a better job of um, perpetuating that.
1: Yeah.
5: Maria? I, I definitely I, I think I'm in agreement with everything that's been said by everyone. But I'll, I'll tell you my experience as coming— um, from Ukraine, Odessa, like what I thought were homeless people. And we would, if you take a, or even former Soviet Union at that point, if you take a subway or you go like underground, that would be people sitting like begging for money. And they would often be missing like a leg or even both legs. It's like visibly that, wow, something's very wrong with them. And also there were very few of them. So that's what I have, was used to seeing. And people, yeah, people gave money or even food, everything. But, and then I remember one of the culture shocks was here. I was in Miami, Florida, and I was walking in downtown. It was later already with my dad. And all of a sudden this, this man comes up to me, got money and he's huge, like a huge man. And to me, it was such a culture shock. Like, how is this man so big and so capable and so much stronger than us? Like, asking for money. Now, now, I will say this, just because someone's begging doesn't mean they're homeless. So it's it's a different thing. And there are, especially like coming from the countries that I've lived in and, and visited. It, even also like my experience in Turkey, I was walking down the street and I see like a, a kid opening a bag, a garbage bag, and like looking for food. So of course, the first thing I do, I give him, I walk up and I give him $10, which is a lot for Turkish standards. And then my friends from Ukraine laugh at me, and then they couldn't stop me in time because the whole thing is a ploy. Because and then as soon as she stops me, I already see oh there there his his parents or his crew is sitting further down, and, and by the time I analyze like everything in the garbage bag is McDonald's, it's, it's not just a standard garbage bag. The whole thing is a setup. So they get there's a lot of tourists, and they get tourists like this, and but they're also organized gangs even that spot people to beg and they take the money. And specifically here in United Arab Emirates, I was looking up some just online, basically. I think there's a law against giving money to beggars on the street and they get severely fined and it's up to three months in jail. And as, as long as I have been here for, I would say, a total of like almost four months, I have not seen one person beg on the street anywhere here. So that's just like a different perspective to the, what we're talking about now. But I know, especially in the United States, I think there's a such a fine line between like having a home or even like a rental place. And then God forbid, if you have a health problem, like the, the margin is very thin to the point when you can be home, having a place to live to all of a sudden going homeless. It's there's not a big buffer there to to many people, especially if you're an immigrant or if you're like Victoria shared, if you're in an abusive relationship, like where do you go if you don't have family or friends or whatever, or maybe you just don't want to share your situation. There's so many things. And of course, it's a humanitarian issues first and foremost. That's my sense. Are
4: there additional thoughts and comments? I guess I wanted to piggyback a question. What about mental health? Do you feel like that is anything that you could even ascertain if it seemed to be like, or do you, are you even aware of how it's dealt with in the new nation that you're in or in previous in Ukraine? Do you know nationally how is it addressed? Mental health.
5: I have no idea here. First of all, I will say here. I don't know. I haven't even looked into the laws. And I know generally speaking here, if you are uh, an Emirati, then the government gives you money, gives you support and gives you housing, which is completely different than in many other countries. It literally gives you pretty good housing, not just any shanty out there. And land. It gives you home and land. And I will say this actually now that as controversial as it may sound, by the way, the man can have more than one wife here. And I think some because if you have one wife, you get one house and one piece of land, but if you have two, you get two.
1: So check that out. What man would possibly want two wives? For me, I'm thinking I know how I am. I can't think of anybody who would want two of me. (laughs)
0: <laughs> yes, but we're American women.
1: <laughs> Indeed. So, so, I guess that would definitely be an incentive to marry if you get more property and more land. and Right. Yeah.
4: That's interesting. Okay. It's interesting. Here, it's so hand in hand. And so it's just interesting. And I always think in my head, oh, I need to look up the incidence rates of this, let's say, schizophrenia, right? Other places. But anyway, I just it's just interesting to me
5: yeah you know, I think yeah that mental health is is a huge issue altogether, like somehow tied with homeless homelessness, or who knows put make me homeless, maybe they'll develop a mental health condition as a result. you know what i mean what comes what comes before, but yeah, I'm sorry, Beverly. I don't have a a great answer for you I wish I did anyone else
3: I think it would be nice if we had some resources or people who are homeless, I'm guessing that they have they know what's available to them on where they can find either a shelter or help or assistance or people who are maybe I would say displaced and haven't gotten that they they know they're homeless and like I'll say new to homelessness or are in a situation where they either don't know how to get out of homelessness or they're new to getting in and need help, or maybe we can post some information for people.
0: That just made me remember the fact that when I went, when I started in counseling after I left that marriage, then the overall just overwhelming statistics about the women, and I know it does happen to men, but usually it's women, the women that go back The me getting out and staying out, even though I do still talk to him, I'm connected to him. He's trying to get his self together, but that's on him. And that'd be great. But anyway, it's just one person actually getting out and staying out and then much less to really actually become a productive person in their own right, doing their own thing. It's just astounding. And so I think that, again, just goes back to that worth issue. And of course, and then that has so much to do with, I believe, because Jen, you would be able to tell us this, but there's so much in our mind that impacts our entire body, our physiology and everything. If we're having the wrong thoughts and we don't believe in our value and we don't have compassion or we're raised in a really strict home and and all of those things, again, that goes back to that wrath as opposed to love thing, then it impacts every bit of our being. And I don't think that people really take the time to think about that. And of course, it means a lot to me because it's part of my life. It's part of my journey. So you get to the point to where it's not even about resources because there can be so many resources, but it's getting somehow to the core of that person where they will even take the resources, where they will even go through the trouble, where they will. I stayed for two years just because of the shame. Just how could I have let myself get into that and all that mess, but um, all those lies. So anyway, I just wanted to bring that out also that sometimes it's not just the resources. It it just goes so much deeper than that.
1: And, and I, I agree partially. I will say here in Arizona with my son, it didn't matter. There was no place for him to go. It didn't matter mm-hmm. how many places we called. It didn't matter how many resources we tried. It, there right. was nowhere for him to go and no one to assist in any kind of transition. I go back to our early on human trafficking conversations. They think mm-hmm. when They What happens when they get out of that situation? Where do mm-hmm. they go for that support? They need those counselors. They need that support. That's right. But there's nobody that's actually willing to do it. Mm-hmm. And I think some people that would be willing aren't qualified. So probably not the right people anyways. So I, I do think it's just a larger issue than mm-hmm. SAC. Now, I can tell you, way back in my teenage days, I lived in my car for about two weeks. But mine was pure stubbornness and -hmm. refusal to ask for support. So Mm -hmm. I probably had a lot of opportunity. I chose not to take it. Mm -hmm. But with my kiddos, they were in very different situations. And Mm -hmm. there just wasn't the support. Even when one was arrested, they did put him into a facility only until they felt that he was not going to harm himself. And then they just put him back on the street no resources, no transition place, nothing, just back on the street. So I do think there is a larger issue that needs to be addressed. You just don't put people like that back on the street when they're unhealthy. I need a transition plan.
0: Yeah. And it's even hard with the resources and the people that take the resources. I was extremely blessed. I was actually able to come to my parents' home, whereas I didn't have to go into any kind of housing. But if I had to go into any kind of housing, the atmosphere there is so there are there's so many components to it, but there are all components that can be worked out, that can be taken. We can do all things. There's also quite a bit of stigma, too. Just with mm-hmm. homelessness, these articles that go
2: out about them being like secret millionaires or because they're getting all this money from just being on the street. So it's almost not worth it to them to get a mm-hmm. comfortable place because they, they're wanting to be on the street so that they look like they have that look, the dirtiness. And and then the other thing, too, is like the shelters, like those are dangerous like there's a lot of crime that goes on in the shelters and it's not really regulated and there's not somebody there to protect them. In some cases, almost easier to just be on the street and begging for money.
1: And I think it's unfortunate. I think there are those people that are taking advantage of humanity. They are standing on the street. I had a friend way back when his name was Will, but he lost part of his leg in a motorcycle accident and he also had a three-legged dog. And he used to go, he didn't need the money, but he would go stand on the corners. And I I can't remember, but he would make tons and tons of money. People were so sympathetic. He didn't need it, but people saw him missing a limb or partial limb and a three-legged animal. And they were just giving him money. And I kept telling him, stop doing that. But you're the reason you, people have, you're giving these people a bad name. You're giving them a bad rep. But for him, who is really doing it to say, People need to be more cautious of what they're doing. Now, that was many years ago. I think the situation today is much different than it was then. There's definitely a lot more now than there was then. But I think it just exaggerated itself over the years. I, I felt bad for those people that took advantage of the situation because it did put the ones that truly need the help in a situation.
5: Right. That's exactly what I was thinking about, like the organized crime, in, in the, especially in the third world countries, they can catch people still key kid and like just make them lose their limbs and then beg for money but don't even have to lose their limbs and they're just so that part of that is organized crime but also just what makes me think like what there's so many mothers and young children who are homeless and they probably how I don't know that I've seen one begging for money on the street I don't ever remember seeing a young child. And I, there's a lot of homeless people in Florida, Gainesville, Florida, because of the climate, because of the weather. The winters are pretty mild. I haven't seen one. And just what they have to go through, and especially as Jen was mentioning, the shelters are not really safe there. Or, or from what I read before, is that they're even afraid to go to the bathroom at night because they don't know who they're going to find there. And the drug use in the shelters is also pretty high. Definitely, the resources are sorely lacking. And as you were mentioning, and you putting your son back out on the street, what? It's just crazy.
1: And I got a lot of feedback on that. But you have to look at the situation. And when you have other little kids in the house, you have to make sure everybody is safe. I think everyone's very quick to judge. And I do get a lot of questions about it. But you have to make sure everyone is safe. Thank you everybody for joining us today. I appreciate all of you. It's always interesting to hear all the different, you know, thoughts and comments and feedback from everybody. I would encourage everyone to stay curious, to ask questions, to challenge the normal and to move forward. So thank you everybody. I truly appreciate all of you. Thank you guys. See you next time.